Support comes from Pacific Science Center, working to inspire the next generation of scientists and increase access to STEM education statewide through digital discovery workshops, science on wheels, and summer camps. More ways to support these efforts at PACSci.org. Hey, good morning. It's Patricia Murphy. It's Monday. This is Seattle Now. If you haven't been to downtown Seattle in a while, maybe it's a good time to check it out again. It's different than it was even a year ago. Seattle Times business reporter Paul Roberts says more businesses are setting up shop in our city's core. And that's not the only change. Stay with us for a temperature check on downtown's revitalization. But first, here's what's coming up this week. It's Thanksgiving week. Here's something cool. The Mercer Island High School Band is marching in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Seattle Times reports it's only the second time a high school band in Washington has been selected after Kamayak High School in Mukilteo played the parade in 2002. This is no easy assignment, folks. The band will be performing for three hours starting bright and early at 6 a.m. Eastern time. Keep an eye out for the one minute and 15 seconds that will make it on TV. If you're the kind of person who's not into cooking or maybe just needs a year off from preparing a Thanksgiving feast, you do have some options. There are local restaurants that are open for dine-in or takeout on Thursday. Some will even make you the entire Thanksgiving meal so you can pick it up and take it home. Other places are serving dine-in multi-course meals that you can enjoy with friends and family. We'll drop a list in the show notes. And after the Thanksgiving festivities wrap up and you've done your Black Friday shopping, how about sitting down for some historic college football? The 115th Apple Cup is this Saturday at Husky Stadium, and it's a big one. The last time the Huskies and Cougars will share a conference before the UW makes its big move to the Big Ten. No comment on the move, just good luck to everyone involved. Downtown Seattle has had a rough few years. It was arguably the hardest hit area during lockdown as workers fled offices. And while the rest of the city returned to its normal bustle, downtown lagged behind. City and county officials made it a priority to revitalize the area. But let's check in on how well that revitalization is going. Paul Roberts is here to give us a picture of downtown today and what challenges remain. Paul, glad you're here. Good to talk to you. That's good to be back. Thank you. All right. Well, let's start with the feeling downtown. I was actually downtown a few times over the past couple of weeks, and it seemed really busy. I must look like a tourist because somebody tried to hustle me on the waterfront unsuccessfully, I might add, but seemed to be pretty busy. What are you hearing from businesses about the vibe? Hey, so the, the vibe really varies depending on where you are. There are still places that are really quiet. Um, you know, the, the central business district at night is very sleepy, kind of always was, but I mean, even more so now. But there are pockets of, of real liveliness, Belltown. The waterfront is is booming. You know, um, if you go to Pike Place Market, obviously, on a weekend or even a weekday these days, if it's decent weather, it feels like 2019, you know, mm. Pioneer Square, a lot of new shops there. I've noticed a lot of people walking around, office workers you're walking around and you're seeing these little clutches of office workers. They're not wearing jackets. They're walking around. They know <laughs> where they're going. They're chatting about some esoteric, you know, work project and they're going to a restaurant. So seeing that again is pretty encouraging. I've talked to another residents who are themselves are surprised. They kind of feel like in the past few days or months, rather, uh, things have, have come back more to life. But, you know, make no mistake. There's lots of vacancies still, lots of empty shop fronts. 
Um, and we're still dealing with, you know, a lot of the issues we've been dealing with for years. Um, homelessness, there's still open air drug use. I think a lot of folks just haven't gone. They just have written it off their list because they're working from home or whatever. I think if you went down, you'd be pleasantly surprised. You know, that was my sense as well, Paul, that it was busier than it had been in a long time, but still pockets of things that we may not necessarily want to lean into downtown. A lot of open-air drug use, a lot of desperation, right, and homelessness mixing in. But again, a lot busier than I had seen it in a long time. I think one word to describe what you're talking about is shifting, right? A lot of it is shifting downtown. You mentioned a lot of businesses closing, but an awful lot of them taking a chance and reopening or opening up for the first time. What are business owners telling you about why they chose to open up stores downtown over the last couple of years? It really varies. So that if you're a smaller shop owner, maybe you're looking at downtown as you're seeing some of the returning numbers, like tourist numbers are back up, you know, events at the convention center, you're seeing shows at the, some of the theaters, the nightlife's coming back. So you're sort of saying, well, if I'm a restaurant owner, say, I think I could probably do it. And there's so much vacant retail space down there that landlords are pretty desperate and they're cutting deals. A couple of folks I talked to said, well, I wouldn't be downtown. I wouldn't have been able to, to be down here. At what Was it not for the deal on rent? And the hope is there that, you know, their own business will improve to the point where they can pay something close to a market rate, you know, maybe in a year or two or whatever. So you're also seeing some chains, retail chains, Mendocino Farms, uh, Suit Supply, a menswear outfit that are basically have the money to be able to sort of go in early with a store. And even if its business isn't great right now, it's worth it to them to sort of plant a flag and say we're here. And a lot of them are very clear. They're like, we'll be the, the company that came in here and reopened when other places weren't here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we're talking about people going back, but the reality is that it is not the same as it was pre-pandemic. It was never going to be. A recent study found that Seattle's at the bottom of the list when it comes to demand for office space. So who are we talking about who's actually going back downtown? Is it tourists? Is it office workers? It's a mix. There's again, there's tourism is back to, I'd say, eighty five percent. Depending on how you're measuring it, about eighty five percent of pre pandemic levels. Uh, again, hotel demand is up. So you've got a lot of visitors, whether that's domestic, just from outside of Seattle wanting to come downtown, or you know from other countries. The cruise business has been booming. Conventions are coming back. My niece was just here for a convention. Sure, right, and and that's been huge business. Those conventions are huge business for the restaurants that are open now. There's a lot more residents living downtown than there were. So the residential population it's up to around 106,000. Mm. which is up about 16% from 2019. And those are that's a population that's there 24 hours a day and they need, you know, services like grocery stores, office workers, that's the, you know, the big missing piece here. It's at about roughly half of its pre-pandemic levels. It's really tough to know how how much that's going to budge. You've got big players like Amazon that insists on being back in the office and has really gotten sort of hardcore about it's our way or the highway. A warehouser doing the same thing, bringing people back in the Pioneer Square office there. You know, so there's going to be, I think, a steady, maybe a steady increase as employers basically figure out what's the right mix. But like you said, I just I don't think we're going to get back to 2019 soon or ever. So it really it's going to depend on the kind of business you're in. If you're if you're someone that really needed butts in seats five days a week, it's going to be different for you. And there's probably going to be fewer of them. 
You know, you also talked about these larger corporations or these larger businesses moving downtown that can ride out, you know, kind of bumps in the economy. What kind of risks and challenges are smaller businesses dealing with downtown? How long can they survive if they're not getting or making a profit? You know, PCC shut down and that was a bigger place, a bigger grocery store. That's right. PCC left, Nike Town left. I think those are the two sort of big brand departures that really have a lot of people, you know, scratching their heads. I think in both cases, those companies were dealing with other system-wide problems. PCC had, you know, issues that it was dealing with across its network of stores, not just downtown. Downtown was losing money, but it was one of several areas that they were having to deal with. The Nike Town, I think that's an example of a retailer having to rethink its footprint. These big sort of showroom flagship stores, I think a lot of retailers are rethinking those because they're expensive and they might not generate the kind of, you know, dollars per square foot that you can get in a, in a more compact unit. Smaller companies, they're thinking, well, they're getting a little extra runway because of these cheap leases and it's going to give them a little longer time. But, you know, at some point they'll have to make the same decision. I talked to one, you know, hat seller. She's got this wonderful little pop-up that the city has helped put together in some of these vacant storefronts. And she is, you know, this has been an opportunity, very low cost opportunity for her to see what downtown is like and to see what the crowd's like, the foot traffic is like, how should she market and she, she's really enjoyed being down there. It's been this great learning experience. But she's still, you know, she says foot traffic goes from, you know, it'll be great one day and zero the next day, and she can't predict it. And so she's not sure whether downtown makes sense for her. To some degree, all these new businesses are, are asking the same kinds of questions. Some just have deeper pockets and, and, and can wait longer for the answer. Yeah, I guess that risk really is without the consistency of what we knew downtown would be pre-pandemic. You just don't know at this point how it's going to settle out. Um, any given day is a different day with traffic, right? Some days you can drive downtown in 15 minutes, and some days it's going to take you 45. It seems so unpredictable right now. It does. And if you had a business where you were trying to like predict you know, how much inventory to buy, how many people yeah. to hire, I think that's really tough. So it, you know, people are looking for ways to cut their fixed costs. You know, so so your lease is a big fixed cost. Anything that's variable, like your labor, well, you can rein that in if you need to, right? You can change your menu if you need to, but your lease you're stuck with. There are ways for people to take advantage of this that give them more time to see if it works. And at this point, that's kind of what downtown needs. You know, we don't know what it's going to look like. We don't know how big it's going to come back. We don't know how many businesses it can support. But we do know that it's it, it can improve. We just we just we collectively need to. You know, we need time to be able to figure that out. And these sorts of deals allow that kind of time. Yeah, well, and, you know, we can't have this conversation without talking about public safety, because for the past few years, that has dominated the conversation. Crime rose for a while. We have the highest homicide rate we've had since the 90s. Lots of public drug use. What is the state of public safety right now from what you're hearing, Paul? The data is encouraging. You know, violent crime is down in the Central Business District, Belltown, the Chinatown International District, and Pioneer Square. From January through September of this year, it was down 40% compared to the same period last year. And, and, and theft and other property crime is down 29%. So these are, you know, these are real, real improvements. Downtown Seattle Association does a survey on, on the number of tent encampments that it observes down there. And 
in October, uh, it was around 21 tent encampments mm. that they noticed, and that's down from 146 in January of 2021. That was the peak. So that's a substantial improvement. Now, you know, there, there were homeless people downtown before the pandemic. There were drug dealers and drug users and all kinds of crime was going on. The, the, the difference was that there were so many other people, tourists and office workers and visitors and shoppers. You just didn't see all the stuff that we see now because it was, it was sort of covered up, you know. And, and the hope is that as more people come back down, that process, that sort of diluting, if you will, will return. Well, it's certainly the hope of Mayor Bruce Harrell. He's put a lot of effort into the revitalization of downtown. We're also seeing massive construction on the waterfront, right? How well is this revitalization plan working for the mayor? I mean, I think he's going to be able to point to some of the improvements that we've been talking about and certainly will. There's been emphasis on the law that was passed about public drug use and possession and, you know, the arrests that are actually being made. Um, that's getting a lot of attention. And certainly retailers that I talk to and shop owners point to that, you know, that that matters to them. They feel like City Hall is is taking these problems seriously. And some of them feel like it that it hasn't been, you know, up until now. I think like the waterfront is this big thing that everyone talks about. And it's interesting, like you're standing in Pioneer Square um, and you're looking sort of toward the water and you realize you can see the water. Right. And it's this it's kind of wild. Yeah. It, you realize that that's going to be this thing that for people that, you know, especially newcomers, they won't even realize that you could that you used to not be able to sort of just walk down there. So I think that's going to be huge. Those are parts of the city that naturally continue to draw people. And, you know, that's where we'd expect to see that improvement sooner. And we have, you know, the DS Downtown Seattle Association, that's a lot of, and some of these other neighborhood associations spend a lot of time working on graffiti and picking up garbage and needles and, you know, and also making contact with homeless people and sort of saying, hey, can we help you get to a shelter? So there's a pretty comprehensive effort and, it's, and I think it's paying off. I think the, the big questions that remain is, you know, again, what happens to office workers? And then what happens to the buildings that simply cannot find tenants? You know, there's a scramble, I think, to figure out how to get people started. And again, that there's these programs to make it possible for small shops to set up at, at fairly low cost. And the question is, can it stick? Can they get enough traction, get enough business to make it worth their while? Right. And of course, all of this depended on employees and shoppers frequenting all of these locations with some, you know, consistency. Paul Roberts, Seattle Times business reporter, really appreciate your time. We'll pop a link to your piece in the show notes. Great. Thanks. Nice to talk again. Thanks for listening to Seattle Now. Today's episode was produced by Claire McGrain. Her favorite thing to do downtown is catch a show at the Showbox Marketplace. Our production team also includes Caroline Chamberlain Gomez, Jenny Cecil Moore, and Bon Jones. Hans Twight did audio restoration on this episode. Thanks, Hans. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. Seattle Now and KUOW Public Radio are members of the NPR Network. It's an independent coalition of public media podcasters. You can find more shows in the network wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Patricia Murphy. See you tomorrow. Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance. 
the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. A story of moral panic, grassroots activism, and an unstoppable music community that fought for its freedom. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network.